Okay, last Sunday we covered the story of Saul when he consulted with a witch at Endor. And we talked a lot about how some people, they, 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 they kind of give this, uh, they feign loyalty to God and they, they claim the title of Christian or they claim the title of a God follower, but they, they just have a bad habit of taking matters into their own hands. And uh, Saul modeled for us a man who compromises and then has deep regrets about the consequences, but still can consult a witch. And this, this is characteristic of men enslaved to fear and also enslaved to self. It was an amazing service. Today, we're going to focus on a father, a son, and a story of redemption from the life of Abraham and his son Isaac. So I want to begin, and we're going to jump in. Abba Father, thank you for the way that you have shown grace, the way that your love has been made real to me this week, how you've been at work deeply in our lives. Uh, thank you for, thank you for Stephen and how you're using him to uh, do the good and the hard work of your kingdom. God, I pray right now that Whatever the distractions are, the anxieties, uh, things that cause confusion, worries, frustrations, that you'd help every one of us to kind of set that aside and to listen to you and to understand that you have so much to give right now. You want to accomplish so much inside of our hearts and our lives, but we have to be like clay in your hands. And sometimes we want to question everything you do. But I ask today, would you give us soft, clay-like hearts and the work of your Holy Spirit will be real and the pressure of your hands on the clay will shape and mold us into the image of your Son. We need you right now. Ask in Jesus' name, amen. Paul made it very clear that stories in the Old Testament are given so that we would learn two things. Number one, not to make the same mistakes that they made. Okay? Remember that little wise saying that a wise man learns from his mistakes? A wiser man learns from the mistakes of others, and the wisest man doesn't make a mistake at all. <laughs> you know? It's okay. We don't have to do stupid things to learn. We can pay attention. So Paul included stories so that we wouldn't make the same mistakes. He says in 1 Corinthians 10. But we also have stories to help a man walk straight, to use the, the words of Rich Mullins, to help us grow up, to put away childish things, okay? Now, what I want to ask you to do is to listen. Now, let me give a couple of comments to prepare you. This story is not necessarily uh, your Hallmark commercial kind of story. There are some things that, that are stirred up and that cause questions about child abuse. And is God a child abuser? Okay? These are really sensitive issues. And so I want you to, to listen. I want you to, you know, sometimes it's a good skill to just step back 
and see things from a larger perspective. And we can gain wisdom if we do that. If your problem is right up to your face, your problem is so big you can't hardly see anything, but when you get your problem way out there, you're like, oh, now it's in proportion. Okay. So try to do that. Understand that we are his sheep. And it is clear in John 10 that my sheep hear my voice. And the Holy Spirit sometimes whispers things that are so deep and so profound that if we're not used to listening, we miss it. And then we somehow feel neglected. Listen to the story. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt sacrifice on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on the back of Isaac, his son. <coughs> and he took his hand and in his hand the fire and the knife and the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. The angel said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, 
since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. That Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Yahweh. Jehovah Yahweh. God provides. The Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. A father, a son, in a story of redemption. God tested Abraham. Abraham said, here I am. Take your only son, whom you love, and offer him as a burnt offering. You know the backstory. You know what happened with Abraham and Sarah, the difficulties of pregnancy. And the idea that God is asking for something that is absolutely medically impossible for a 90-year-old woman to conceive. And yet God said it would happen. And then the, the, the example of Abraham is not too unlike Saul. Men go stupid and take matters into their old, own hands and he went into Hagar. And the mess is still going on today between the Jews and the Arabs because of that one decision. A decision a man, that a man can make can infect, affect generations, can infect nations, just like it is city that through Abraham, generations will be blessed. Take your only son whom you love. A question, what's your Isaac? What is your Isaac? Does your Isaac belong to you? Does your Isaac belong to God? 
Does your Isaac belong to someone else? Abraham went to the place which God told him. My sheep hear my voice. Abraham told two young men to stay. Men, old men, young men are watching you. And by the way, an old man needs a couple of young men. Okay? There are young men watching you, watching how you do life, watching what you value, watching what makes you angry, watching what makes you smile and laugh. Have you noticed that Abraham had a habit of saying, here I am? Have you noticed that? When young men watch you, do they hear you say, here I am to God? Abraham laid the wood on Isaac, his son. Does that remind you of something? What does it remind you of, Jen? John 19, the wood of the crossbeam was laid on Jesus. And then that that poignant, gut-wrenching question, Isaac spoke to Abraham, my father. And Abraham says, here I am. Isn't that beautiful when a son and daughter can hear that from their dad? I'm right here. I'm right here. Do you know that a lot of messes are avoided by a parent who is actively present in the life of a child? Here I am. And then that question, where's the lamb? John 1.29, also in John 1.35, the baptizer says, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Abraham answers the question and says, Isaac, God will provide. Abraham made an altar, bound his son, laid him on the altar. The angel called, Loudly in Hebrew, he's yelling, Abraham, Abraham, do not touch the child. Do not stretch out your hand against his son. The angel calls again. Abraham says, here I am. The angel said, I now know you fear God. Who's the angel? Jesus. Pardon? Jesus. I think so. Do you think Jesus is taken in this story? Do you think that Jesus and his father had a conversation? Do you think that they walked on together and gave thought to the plan of redemption before the foundations of the world? That would be laid on his son's back and he would be bound and laid on an altar? Do you think that happened? Of course it did. This is no angel. This is called a Christophany. It is, it is a supernatural appearance of Jesus Christ, the Lord. And we know this because he pronounces blessing. Angels don't pronounce that you're going to bless the nations. Angels don't say, I will prosper you. That is God. That is the voice and the authority of God and his son, Jesus Christ. The angel said, I know you fear God. This is a hard issue. 
Do you fear God? Now, if you have an abuse history or histories of family dysfunction, when you hear that concept, you can immediately spin it into something negative or very unhealthy. That is not the case here. You know, Gary and Cindy, you do marriage counseling all the time. And how often do you hear that a wife needs to know she's number one in, in her husband's heart? How often do you hear that? Right? And how often do you hear that, yeah, well, I need to be number one in my husband's heart, you know, and, and he in my heart, right? Does God have a place? Does God not have a place? Can it be said of us, yes, God, you are our first love. You're not second place, third place, fourth, fifth, down in the line. We fear you are the authority in our lives. What's your Isaac? Is your Isaac something that you believe belongs to you, belongs to God, belongs to someone else? I want to see, did anybody know something and notice something in verse 25? Turn, turn in your Bibles, turn the page, click to it. Genesis 22.5. Pay very close attention to 22.5. Abraham said to his young men, now he knows what he's doing. Abraham knows he's been asked to sacrifice his son. Pay attention to the language. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will what? We will be back. We will return to you. What does that say about faith? That very insight is something the writer of Hebrew grabs in Hebrews 11, and he talks about Abraham believed that God can raise somebody from the dead. Even if he did, God would raise him from the dead. This is a redemption story. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Look at Hebrews 11. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. And he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received back, came back as a type, as an example. Are you where God told you to go? And are you doing what God told you to do? Is your default answer, here I am? Or is it, who do you think you are, God? What's your default answer? Before, before we, I turn this over to you, Stephen is going to sing a very important song.
Wake up, little eyes, and rub your tired eyes. <coughs> Go and kiss your mama. We'll be gone a little while. And come and walk beside me. Come and hold your papa's hand. Go to make an altar and to offer up my land. I waited on the Lord, and in a waking dream he came, riding on a wind across the sand he spoke my name. And here I am, I whispered, and I waited. There was a sword that came down hard upon my heart. And holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord. And in the Lord I will obey. Lord, help me, I don't know the way. told you to go. By the way, in Hebrew, Moriah means the place that God chooses. That's what it means. One thing we have to reconcile is God has the authority to tell us where to go and what to do. He's God and we are not. He's the potter and we are the clay. What's the default voice in your heart? Here I am, or who do you think you are? 
with your eyes. You are the gifted body of Christ. What grace, what truth, what wisdom does the Holy Spirit seek to craft and work in your heart, in our hearts? From Genesis 22 in our lives today. The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. Someone else. Someone else. Am I correct in thinking that at some level, <clears throat> this moment was more than a personal moment? I mean, obviously, we're still talking about it, but um, in that, I say that in that. In that context, in that time, in that area, sacrificing a child was actually a fairly common practice. Among some pagan, pagan religions, yes. And so <clears throat> this this was a moment for Abraham, but also a moment to put, you know, when God was kind of drawing the line in the sand saying, we're done with that. That's not, that's not the way it is. You know, I mean, is that... Yes, Abraham, Abram, originally from Ur, the Chaldeans. Not, it's a Mesopotamian region. Egypt practiced practice child sacrifice all the time. So this is a culture he came out of. Yeah, and so it's, and then became a follower of Yahweh, the true God. Yeah, and, and then there it just makes it that much more of that. Yes, you know, cornerstone of the foundation of the whole yes. rest of it leading up to. Yes. 
the redemptive story of Christ. Absolutely, absolutely. That's good. Someone else, how does this look, Colby? So, dovetailing with what Ed's saying, there's, there's, we don't interpret always very accurately. The words we use in our text don't always convey the, the message as accurately. But in verse, what we call verse 8 and what we call verse 14, what Ed is saying becomes even more important because it says that God will see. So this sacrifice that's taken place wasn't for the audience of the two boys waiting with the donkey. It wasn't for the audience back home around the animals. It wasn't for anyone other than God. God will provide, which is God will see. And in that mountain, what is done, God, it will be seen. So that language doesn't convey, but for the people worshiping other gods, to, to know that there's something else that has omniscience, that's a huge piece. And it, it fits nicely with what it's saying. And the Apostle Paul called Abraham the father of faith. Of faith. He is the man that started, that is the principal starting point for Paul <coughs> on teaching that we are justified by faith. And the people of that time would say, you know, people that were not contemporary, but after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would say, we are of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We follow the God of yes. Abraham, yes. Isaac, and Jacob. Yes. And when you study that out, just, just saying that, I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are declaring, you are, you are putting a stamp on, on things that nothing else will shake you. And it, yes. it's, it's an amazing statement. Yes, in fact, Colby, look at verse 19, or 17. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. This is superabundance. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. What does it say in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 16, about the gates of hell? They won't overcome. Mm -hmm. They will not overcome the church at all. They will not prevail again. The church is on the offensive. Overcoming suggests that they're coming to us. It should be the other way around. They won't prevail again. Hell is on the defense, and the church is on the offense. And the gates of hell will not overcome, overpower or withstand the authority of the church. Do you know when a church loses its authority? When we don't go where God tells us to go, when we don't do what God tells us to do, when we get there, and when we get involved in what's called idolatry. Where we think certain people, certain behaviors, certain ideas are more important than doing the will of God. Does that make sense? So who's your Isaac? Are we talking about you being in the will of God? Or are we talking about you coddling, coddling idolatry? And then longing and hoping to have this blessed life. 
while you coddle and idle. You coddle and swaddle and idle in an effort to make yourself happy, taking matters into your own hands, and all the while spoiling the great plan of God. Allison. Well, sure. Sure. Because you're like, well, God, just give me a passion for this person or this work or this thing or whatever it is. Like, well, God gave me that passion for that. So, of course, it's not my Isaac. It's God gave it to me. But, like, that's a hard question yes. to swallow and to be like, okay. Yes. When you, because you know, when you hear that, whatever that is pops up in your mind. You know, you know what it is. You may not say it, but you know what it is. So it's finding God in that so you can give it back. Yes. That is yeah. so hard, especially when it's a person. Yes. And Jesus said, anyone who takes his life and tries to keep it, what happens to his life? What about the one who takes his life and gives it away? What does he get? That literally played out in the story. It literally played out. So... I want to encourage all of you that there is unspeakable wisdom and unspeakable grace in three words. Here I am. Here I am. So that if we are like sheep and we hear his voice and he calls to us, we just say, here I am. Not, oh brother, it's you again. Or, you know what? Um, If I ignore him... He usually goes away. So we'll just ignore him for a while. Let's put God in the back back there somewhere. Or some of us get so angry, we, we shake our fists and say, who do you think you are? Jeremiah said that the clay, sometimes illustrating that it's a reflection of Israel, the clay yelling at the potter, what are you doing? What are you making? And Jeremiah says, Is, am I not the potter? Do I not have authority over the clay? There's something brilliant about those three words. Here am I. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I want to thank you for each person that's here in the room and for the way your truth and your grace are not wasted here. Father, I ask if there's anybody that has never given their heart to you and they've never practiced this gift of faith believing that you are the provider that you know what you're doing when you tell us where to go and what to do when we get there and that you want us to have that setting default setting that place in our heart we just say Lord here I am I'm here to do your will Thank you for your son Jesus, the Isaac, the pure lamb that was offered and didn't refuse to obey you. And it's in his death that we have life. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.